Welcome to another episode of Comedy Wham Presents with me, your host, Valerie, and sometime co-host, Miss Purrington, who's back. <laughs> ComedyWham.com is your place to go for features about all Austin comedy. You can keep up with us on Twitter and Instagram at Comedy Wham or on our Comedy Wham Facebook page. Please rate and review us on iTunes if you are listening to this podcast. In addition to podcasts, Comedy Wham brings you articles, album reviews, a calendar of Austin shows, and live shows featuring the best in Austin comedy in all its shapes and formats. Launched in 2016, the podcast project brings you funny people and their stories. As a fan, I like to delve into a comic's background and motivations and will usually take a detour along the way. Consider the interview a way for you to get to know the folks that make the Austin comedy scene one of the best in the country. Today, uh, I kid you not, I had written this, and she walked in with something just as good. Uh, I'd written that she's a really wholesome personality, and I half expected her to bring in like a made-from-scratch apple pie. She brought me made-from-scratch pasta, so she wins everything. Uh, and clue in to future guests. Bring me things. Um, but then again, some of her jokes have to do with things like, you know, Jesus level wasted or Googling ISIS. And uh, you have seen her perform at all of the usual showcases in Austin. Mm-hmm. She is the host of one of the best open mics where comics you're supposed to bring in something brand new every week. You know the rules. Uh, and it's Playpen at Fallout Theater. And although it is way past my bedtime... I've been hearing such great buzz about her newest show that she created, produces, and hosts called After Party, and I need somebody to invent a caffeine IV so that I can stay up and watch this show. I've heard so many great things about it. Uh, now, Comedy Wham presents our guest, Megan Tusi. Uh, Hello! Thank you so much for having me. What a great intro. I love it. <laughs> And uh, this is your first podcast ever? This is my first podcast ever, so Crazy. hopefully I don't screw it up. We'll see. <laughs> I mean, this is talking about yourself, so you know that subject the best. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. Be and you say nice things about me, which yeah. is great. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I very rarely talk trash about people, although... To their face. To their face, yes. <laughs> you talk about my back all day. I don't care. <laughs> as long as I don't hear it, it's fine. Yeah. Um. I remember when, um, this is kind of a, we- a weird, weird, uh, way to start off. I'll, we'll get to our, my no. ice break- breaker question. But I remember it's probably about three years ago, for whatever reason, I decided I was going to start doing open mics. And I would see you on stage and you just, you know, you've always come off as like this very nice, prim, proper <laughs> personality, but your jokes would kind of surprise us. They weren't, they weren't raunchy, but they touched on things that you wouldn't necessarily expect. Yes. Yeah. And I, you know, kind of dropped off for a bit, but I've seen the things that have been happening for you over the last like six to 12 months. Yeah. And I'm like, this is so exciting to watch, you know, everything start to come together. Yeah. And because, you know, sometimes you take things for granted, like, you know, a cat being home uh, <laughs> and you realize, oh my gosh, I need to talk to this person because things are starting to really hit and the shows that you, you know, the after party in particular, we'll, we'll talk about. Yes. And then, you know, you realize I need to be talking to this person <laughs> and get their background. So I'm so glad that, uh, you know, I clued in to, okay. I'm so honored to, to be asked to be on this. I feel like this is one of those, like, you know, benchmark moments. Oh. So this is, this is awesome for me. Well, thank you for considering it uh, that much. Okay. Your icebreaker question. Yes. 
one word to describe your past? I'm going to go with unique. Okay. Um, I, so I grew up in three different states. I was born in Texas when I was in kindergarten. My family, we moved to the Bay Area, to the San Francisco suburbs. We lived there for 10 years. And then when I was a freshman in high school, the middle of my freshman year of high school, we moved from um, California to Connecticut. And all these moves were for my mom's job. So Mm. my mom was actually the breadwinner. And Mm. once we moved from Texas to California, my dad ended up being – um, the stay at home parent. So oh. my dad stayed at home and he raised me and my three siblings. Uh-huh. My, I'm the youngest of four. Um, so I've sort of seen a lot. I've yeah. experienced a lot of different areas of the country. I've experienced some <laughs> horrible moves. The kinder, <laughs> the one in kindergarten was fine. That was easy. Yeah. The high school one was bad. Um, such like, okay. So I have a 13 year old yes. and I'm very mindful that I'm, we're planted until yes. he graduates from yeah. high school. And I, yeah. you know, the, the army brat story, you know, they move often enough that they learn a lot of great things from that. But when it's just, you've been stable, stable, stable. And then yeah, right at that like pivotal teenage year. Yes. Yes. Oof. And girls are the worst. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> high school girls, they just, yeah. yeah. And that was one of those things when I was in high school, everybody had sort of grown up together and they knew each other from when they were little. So they yeah. had these friendship bonds that were, you know, a decade old. And yeah. I sort of came in and it's girls in high school in any ways can get side of catty and clicky. Mm-hmm. And it was oh, just a California girl. Yeah. And they're like, is it like the OC? And I was like, oh. no. And then they just were not interested in me oh. at all. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was nowhere near a beach. And they're like, well, then you bring nothing to the table. Oh. Um but no, I ended up finding a group of friends, but I never really felt like I fit in until um I went to college. So mm-hmm. that was um that was sort of where cuz I was always very shy too, and I still am to this day, yeah. which is funny cuz people don't consider people who do stand up to right. be shy, but I'm like, "Well, you don't talk back to me." So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm in control of the conversation exactly. at least to a certain extent. So um, that's why I wouldn't be good at improv. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So I think once I got to college, it was more, you know, everybody was new. Mm-hmm. And that's when I really started coming out of my shell and sort of turning into myself to a certain extent. And, um, yeah, at that point, that's when I started realizing like humor and like what was funny and that I could be funny and, yeah. All that kind of stuff. Because before that, I was just like very self-conscious, very shy, very, you know, mm-hmm. who am I going to have lunch with? What a, <laughs> What's everybody doing without me? So, yeah. yeah I, so if it was college that you started discovering comedy, your own sense of humor, mm-hmm. were there any comedic memories from, from your growing up before college? Um. Not necessarily. That's around the time that it started. I very specifically remember being in the car with my parents and two of my siblings. And my mom is a very proper person. Mm -hmm. She went to a boarding school in France run by nuns, like very, very proper. And I remember we were talking about someone or something. And my mom referred to someone as a floozy. (laughs) And um, I said, what's a floozy? And she said... 
I'm not going to tell you. And I was like, oh, it's fine. I'll just Google it. How do you spell floozy? And my siblings were cracking up. And so I just kept on sort of going with uh-huh. it. And, you know, it's it became this first moment where I was like, oh, I can make people laugh. Uh-huh. I can. I'm also the youngest of four. So to sort ah, of get my okay. voice noticed, that's when I realized like, oh, this is where I can get attention in this family. Yeah. You know, not that I wasn't getting it. I was getting plenty, but... <laughs> Obviously, I needed more, apparently. And so, yeah, yeah, I started with that. And then um in college, I think just all of – I mean, I think about my friends from college now, and I look back, and all of my friends from college are just – really funny people in their own way. Some, you know, some don't know it, some do, but, um, I learned a lot from them. And then, um, so when I was in college, I majored in communications and I had a minor in sociology and another minor in film studies. Okay. And well, the film studies, it was a certificate because there aren't film studies courses. So you could take, I was taking a music class and a communications class. So they're, it's really a minor. Anyways, um, and one of the classes I took was a screenwriting class because it would, it like was good for communications and for this film studies. It was like two birds, one stone. So mm-hmm. I was like, I'll just take this class. That seems yeah. easy enough. And I ended up falling in love with film or with screenwriting and I really enjoyed it. So then the next semester I took an advanced screenwriting course. And my professor nominated my um, movie that I'd written for an award at the school. I went to the University oh. of Massachusetts okay. and um, I ended up winning it. Oh my gosh. Which was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and which was crazy because I wrote a comedy and the second and third place person, they had this whole award thing where you had to present your thing. And the person in second and third place both made actual movies and they were very serious. One of them was about like a miscarriage. And then, you know, it's time for me to come up and I have this very silly (laughs) and I was just like, oh man. But um, yeah, so that's when I was like, okay, this is something. It, It sort of gave me the validation that I was like, okay, I like writing. Mm-hmm. I can be funny in my writing too. This is something that I really like. So I graduated college and I was like, well, I'm just going to be a screenwriter. And <laughs> naturally, <laughs> obviously <laughs> I won this award. That did not happen. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a very, it was, it's been a frustrating process because I graduated and then I started submitting to national contests and I was a finalist in every single contest that I entered. But it's a very, the system, so many people steal other people's ideas. Mm. So it's very hard to get representation without have, having already been established. And it's very hard to establish yourself without representation. So yeah. it's kind of this tough back and forth of how do you and at the time I wasn't in a place where I was going to make my own movie because I had just graduated college and I had no idea so um so I was still writing and then I ended up taking a break at some point and then I had the idea when you graduated did you stay in Massachusetts no okay I moved back home and I lived with my parents for Back home. To Connecticut. Yes. So I moved back to Connecticut and I lived with my parents for five years. Um, And 
Then I moved. And then I, I had this thought of, oh, you know what? I could do stand up. Maybe I could try out stand up because then at least people are legally allowed <laughs> to see what I'm doing. And then it's up to the audience and it's not up to some old yeah. white guy who's running, you know, a film thing who knows nothing about what's cool yeah. now and is just remaking Spider Man for the 18th time. So, um, yeah, I ended up deciding and I was in the suburbs of New York City. So I ended up deciding that I was going to move to Texas instead of to New York City. I was finally going to move out of my parents' house. (laughs) It was cushy. I loved it there. You know, my dad was still taking care of me. I compare it to living at an all-inclusive resort for free. It's why, and they did it on purpose. They wanted us to stay as long as we wanted. The two dogs, everything. It was everything I could ever want. But I was 27 and I needed, I was almost 27 and I needed to get out of there. So, um, yeah, so I ended up, I had a sister, one of my sisters had moved down here. And so I ended up moving down. Specifically Austin? Specifically Austin. And so I ended up moving down to Austin. And once I got settled, I was like, okay, I'm going to try out comedy now. This is the place to do it, which I know seems backwards because I was already so close to New York City, but I think it was a good, good start for me for sure. Yeah. Did you do any comedy in New York since you were so close? No, never. I did. So I was about an hour and 15 minute train ride. The town Mm -hmm. that I lived in was just a commuter town to New York City. If you wanted to have a house and a yard, you lived there. Um, And so... I did Gotham uh Comedy Club does have comedy classes. So I'd signed wow. up for their comedy classes mm-hmm. and I went to the first one and it, the guy was very intense and he was like, you need to be going to open mics every night. And if you don't between now and next week's class, I'm going to know mm-hmm. and I'm going to call you out on it. And I was just like, oh my gosh, because, you know, I was working until – 6.30 at night. So by the time I would get into the city, it would be closer to 8. Mm-hmm. And then by the time I got off on stage, it would be closer to 10. And I'm just, you know, a young girl in the city who's yeah. unfamiliar with it. And then I would have to take the train back. And then I have to be up at 6.15 in the morning to go to work again. And yeah. so it was unfeasible at that point for me. And it was a bit scary. Mm-hmm. And so I was... But did you do it? Because this is, this is one of my observations is you seem like the rule follower, especially if your mom was this very, <laughs> prop, you know, she probably instituted rules of the house. Oh, and yes, behaviors. yes. So did you actually do it though? Did you try to do it? Or did you just realize I can't? I, I was just like, I, I, this teacher in particular was very intense, which was not, I was like, he scared me. And oh. so I was just like, I'm not going back to this. Uh-huh. And I, I called it a wash, which was uh-huh. a waste of money. And I was like, this is not good. But so then I got here. And after about nine months here, I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to do it for real this time. I don't have any excuses. Uh-huh. This needs to have, you know, I have the time. Yeah. And so I ended up doing signing up for the comedy class. I know everybody <laughs> Everybody always gives comedy classes yeah. such a – they always – and I'm like, well, I've signed up for two of them. Um, so <laughs> I signed – but for me, it's more of a comfort thing. So I signed up for the one that they have at the institution before Valerie was teaching it. Uh-huh. Um, and I did that. And I, th- I thought it was helpful because for me, it was nice to know – about the light, you know, for, especially for playpen, I get new people all the time. And so I'm like, okay, we give you a light when you have one minute left on stage, it's coming from here. But you know, a lot of times people still don't even 
realize what's going on. Yeah. And so I think it was nice to know about the light. It was nice to have, I have, um, Jacqueline Leona and Justin Swallow, if you're familiar with mm-hmm. them, they took the class with me. Justin's moved to LA now, but okay. he still does comedy and Jacqueline still does it here in Austin. And then, um, we also had another friend, Tony, who was doing it for us for a little while after. So it was nice to show up to the open mics and have people that I already knew mm-hmm. because it, it it feels like high school again, like when I moved. So when I show up to an open mic yeah. and I don't know anyone, even to this day, I went to an open mic the other day and I was like, I don't know who any of these people are. <laughs> and it feels so weird for me. Uh-huh. And I'm just like, I it gives me flashbacks. I'm like, oh gosh, I'm back in high school. Who am I going to have lunch with? Yeah. I'm just going to sit. So um, I needed that for myself just to like give me that motivation. Mm-hmm. And because then also when you're bombing and you're going last on the list and it's like – Part of you is like, oh, gosh, am I ever going to get this? Do I want to do this again? But you, it, it's nice to have that support system that's like, hey, we're going to go out tonight. Let's do it. Let's do, yeah. let's do this one. So um, I'm thankful for Jacqueline and Justin yeah. and Tony because if it weren't for them, I would probably have been like, oh, this is <laughs> – I'm bad at this. <laughs> and I'm just sitting in a corner by myself. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because you're not the, you know, the young 20-something dude no. who's doing the, the yeah. open mics. Yeah. Is- I got plenty of creepy guys coming up to talk to me, but that was the last thing <laughs> yeah. that I wanted. And so it was also nice to have those friends around you. Yes. That are- <laughs> yeah, because if you're by yourself, they'll come up to yeah. you. But if you're with other people, they'll generally leave you alone so that that part i, I really just needed security <laughs> they never, i never had that problem because they just like oh it's somebody's grandma here. <laughs> i don't know some of these people Okay. So h- how long ago was it that you moved to Austin? I moved to Austin in uh, almost four years ago. Okay. And the primary reason was your sister was here and you wanted to get away. Did you know anything about the, the comedy scene? No, not at okay. all. Yeah. The primary reason was because it's cheap here. That's oh. a- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> My sister was an added bonus, obviously. Yeah. So I ha- already had someone here. Um yeah. And so that was, and my mom, I, my mom went to UT mm. and my dad is from Mississippi. And so I also knew that my parents were close to retiring and I had a sister at the time who lived in San Francisco and my brother was living in New York city. And I knew that if I moved here, that my parents would retire here. Very strategic. And that's exactly what happened. (laughs) (laughs) So I like to think that I have a lot of pull in my family, which I do not. But (laughs) yeah, my parents ended up retiring here um, an hour south in Canyon Lake about six months after I moved here. So yeah, so it worked out. Yeah. Yeah. So. And th- I almost thought about putting this in, in the introduction, uh, of you because you're, you are world traveled. So you, tr- you just got back from a trip with your mom that looked phenomenal. Yeah. yeah when you asked me to be on this podcast, I was entirely. Yeah. <laughs> and I realized that after a point. I'm like, Oh my God, please stop writing me back. <laughs> No, it's fine. It was fun. We were having Your a good Instagram time. feed. I'm like, oh, okay, Rome. Uh, and then I don't know. I can't keep track of all the places, but this last trip, I'm like, oh my God, this is stunning. Yeah. It was beautiful. Yeah. It was and gorgeous. 
and the the perspective that you get from getting outside of your little you know area yeah. is is great yeah yeah yeah, it's always interesting. What's funny is I do travel a lot, both for work and for fun. Mm-hmm. And whenever I go somewhere, people are like, oh, did you do any mics there? And I'm like, in Thailand? <laughs> no. Also, like, you know, in San Francisco, I'm like, no, I'm on vacation yeah. to get away from this. This is, <laughs> it's, it's my break. Not yeah. that I don't love comedy, but sometimes you just yeah. need to take, like, you know, if I'm on vacation, I'm on vacation. Yeah. I'm not <laughs> yeah. going up at an open mic, yeah. so... Yeah. I, I travel for work. Well, I, I also travel a lot. And for a while, I was, you know, anytime that I would do, be traveling for work where I knew in the evenings I'd have free time. Mm-hmm. It is almost as much work trying to find, like, the A, find the calendar that has all of the available open mics. And then B, trying to figure out, is this going to fit with your schedule? Yeah. And then how do you get to this yes. place? Yeah. It, almost as much work if not more work than actually working on your two minute set yeah exactly exactly and well the other thing is that um you know if i'm going to visit one of my siblings or one of my friends and i go to an open mic they're going to want to come and if it's (laughs) if i bomb it's the last thing (laughs) that i need them seeing me that's like vacation ruined why would i you know like i don't want you to (laughs) to come out and watch me bomb and I travel, my mom and I will do a trip every once in a while together because uh-huh. she loves traveling. She's been to over a hundred countries. And so, um, and she is, uh, comedy is not her thing necessarily. Yeah. Not that she doesn't like to laugh, but you know, uh, so I'm clearly not going to be dragging her yeah. around to open mics either. Right. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it, it is always funny though. People are like, Oh, you didn't do comedy in Italy? I'm like, no. <laughs> How would that even work? <laughs> no, I did not. <laughs> Are you kidding me? There's so much pasta to be had. I know. I drank wine. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of history there. Yeah. <laughs> There's other things to do. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so stand-up is going really, really well for you. Do you have anything in the back of your mind about the screenwriting thing? Because you were doing so great with yeah. it, and then you got... I feel like yeah. the sense I got is you, you got burned by I it. did. I did. I sort of got where I was – I felt like I was at a dead end and I wasn't sure what else I could really do with it. And mm. so the great thing about comedy is I think it's been great. I haven't started writing again, but I've started getting these ideas and jotting them down and trying to come up with like basically the start of something new, mm. you know, like – getting my characters developed and getting the storyline sort of thought out. Mm. Um, and I think the great thing about stand-up comedy is you get instant feedback. Whereas if you write something and it's made and you go through this whole several months to years, and <laughs> you can make it and it can not be good. Right. It could not be funny. So I think stand-up has really taught me what's funny, what is not funny, mm-hmm. Uh, and that's been, and so in the last six months or so, I've gotten this itch to start writing again yeah. and to get in, you know, just to write something. And so then I look back at my other things. I'm like, oh, this was horrible. This is, <laughs> you know, this won an award. What, what were they thinking? That miscarriage thing, much better. Um, so yeah, I've definitely gotten this and, you know, and then I watch shows that I like and I pick up on things yeah. from that. And, um, that's really, and that's really, 
comedy too. I, I do a lot of, well, After Party is based off of this too. I'm very observational. So when I had started comedy, I would, you know, a lot of people go to open mics and then they'll go and have a cigarette or talk to their friends until it's their turn. Mm-hmm. And I do that sometimes now. But when I had started, I would watch everybody before me and I would figure out um why their jokes were working. Uh-huh. And then I got to a point where I was like, okay, why is this person's joke not working? Why do they do they seem awkward on stage? And mm-hmm. so it's still something that I do. I watch people and I figure out, you know, what is working with them and what's not working and why does this work? Why does it uh-huh. not work? And so um that helped me in the beginning to sort of develop and become better at writing and better at performing. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so that's what I do now with the screenwriting. I watch The Office, which I love, and I figure out, oh, it's because they have a lot of quirky characters. And so mm. you, you sort of pick up on those things. Yeah. yeah. And are, is the, does the, does the gate stop at screenwriting or do you ever, do you ever foresee now that you're getting back into it a little bit, do you mm-hmm. ever foresee like going beyond that into actual production and, and creation of, whatever it is that you have written. I have no plan and no, you know, not that I'm like, but I have no set, like, this is what it's going to be. This is what it's not going to be. I'm very open to anything and everything. Um, I think that, you know, between comedy and writing, there's a lot of skills in general. And so whatever, I'm I'm not going to say no to anything or count anything out in general as something mm-hmm. that I would or would not do. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, I think that's important too, is a lot of people sometimes are very focused on, I'm, you know, I'm pursuing a career in stand up, and mm-hmm. it's like, you can also, you're funny, you can do a lot of different things. Right. So, yeah. 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 As somebody who through throughout high school and until mm-hmm. you found your your crew in college mm-hmm. and then moving back into Austin and uh starting the stand up for some reason i feel like you would be a really good person to to hear this uh either advice or perspective from but how do you navigate that feeling like the outsider for mm-hmm. a long time until finally feeling a sense of acceptance that and belonging in this comedy community. Yeah. Uh, I think it's something that I never forget. So, you know, when new people come to Playpen, I always try to make sure they feel welcome. And Mm -hmm. I always try to, you know, help them navigate it and be like, hey, this is where the light's going to come from. This is what it means. So when you go to other mics, that's what they're trying to tell you. Um, If I see someone, you know, I always try to make sure I say hi to them and get to know them at least a little bit in some way. yeah, I think, you know, we're all adults now. <laughs> I guess I'm a little older than some people, but, um, it, it's just sort of understanding I've been in that position. So it's being yeah. what, what, what did, would I, what did I appreciate that people did for me? Mm-hmm. When I first started, I actually went to Playpen and I remember Nikita being like, Oh, I really liked your story or whatever. And, you know, you should go to Last Gas, which is now Comedy Wham. And, you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, check out where all the mics are. Yeah. And Cherrywood is also tonight and it's over here. And if you leave now, you can get there. So I try to, I think about that and I try to do that for other people mm-hmm. and always, you know, um, getting to know people yeah. and. Okay. So there's two cams and I, and I hate mm-hmm. to make this a, a, uh, a, a gender distinction, 
But it seems like my male guests will say, well, that's just the way it is. You know, <laughs> those first few months, first year, nobody's going to talk to you. Yeah. And then you're, you're, you, yourself, and then you bring up Nikita. It's like, yeah. oh, you know, there was always somebody, there's somebody yeah. who's telling me the nice things, who's telling yeah. me where to find out more and, you know, giving me little coaching tips. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I think women in Austin comedy are always looking out for each other. There's yeah. so few of us and there's so many creeps. Yeah. And <laughs> the thing about the creeps is they're never people that that you rarely see booked on shows. People are yeah. like, who are the creepiest people? I'm like, you wouldn't even know who they are. Yeah. Um, so, which is good yeah. because once a creep is picked out, then they're gone. So at yeah. least, you know, everyone's taking care of them. But um, yeah, I think there's so few of us and you, <laughs> if you're left alone, you're, <laughs> you're a target. So yeah. <laughs> we know to sort of watch out for each other and everybody even people who I don't really know that well, you can um, be in an open mic and it's just, you have this sort of bond you feel like mm -hmm. because there's only two of you there. Right. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I'll, I'll look out for any new person, yeah. but especially a woman, I'll try to make sure that they feel welcome yeah. and yeah. And like they have a, a safe place to be so yeah, yeah. <laughs> so was playpen one of the mics that you religiously went to yes okay yes i loved the concept of playpen because yeah. i when i had first started saying a new joke was always the because you know you'll go to an open mic and you'll be after someone who's been working on this joke for a month and it kills and then if i go up and I'm saying this joke for the first time and I'm nervous about yeah. it. And I feel a little differently about new jokes now. But when I had started, it was mm -hmm. like, I like that it was an even playing field. We're all doing a brand new joke tonight, which I've, since I've taken over, I've realized some people cheat, but <laughs> you just realized that. <laughs> I have I have threatened people that I will get on the ghost mic at Playpen and finish their joke for them oh, if they keep awesome. on saying it because I'm like you've been working you've said this for the last four weeks here if you do it again I'm coming out I'm gonna tell the I'm gonna tell the punchline for you so um, <laughs> I, I so I do appreciate that it's supposedly an even yeah. playing field. And I do start every show with saying that some people cheat. So if you hear something that's wonderful, uh -huh. it's probably not brand new. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, I, I really liked Playpen. I like that it's smaller mm -hmm. and it was run by Nikita and Elizabeth, who immediately off the bat made me feel welcome. Yeah. And it was, it's a short, since it's smaller and it's shorter, you can you don't have to wait two hours for your turn. So right. if you get on, you'll be out of there within an hour or yeah. so. So that's what I always liked and always appreciated. Yeah. And it was nice seeing other people. Again, I like watching people. So mm -hmm. it was nice seeing other people develop their jokes right. and see what they had brought to the table that was brand new and how mm -hmm. they – and then to see them from de develop from there and how they tweak it, then go to see them at Cherrywood or see them at Kickbutt and see what they changed about the joke. Yeah. I think that was really helpful with me in figuring out how to write and how to change things or right. um, develop a joke mm -hmm. better from the beginning. So, yeah. And you're handed the keys from Elizabeth about, is it a year, year and a half? Um, it will be, it will be a year in April. Okay. But I had been covering, I'd sort of been her backup person okay. for a while. So I'd been covering for her every once in a while mm -hmm. when she needed, yeah. uh, someone to 
take over when she couldn't be there. So yeah. I had already felt pretty comfortable in that position and it was nice to do. And at that point, you weren't hosting anything else. No. So how did it, what kind of things did you learn by being the yeah. host as opposed to, yeah. you know, the open mic or the showcaser? Yeah. yeah. It's interesting because a lot of people talk about how it's good to have hosting experience. Mm -hmm. And, and I always thought, you go up, you do a setup top, and then you say people's names. What do you mean? <laughs> it's not that hard. I don't understand why everybody makes a big deal out of it. But I understand now going in <laughs> to a cold audience, because I bomb almost every week. I'm <laughs> it's a lot of fun. I go in, but it's also good going in, not expecting anything. And when yeah. I get a laugh, it's a nice... Um, <laughs> But yeah, I try to write a new joke every week for my show. I try to live to my own rules. So yeah. I try my hardest to write a new joke every week for the show. And, you know, sometimes <laughs> I go in and I'm like, well, I know this isn't going to be a good one. And, um, <laughs> but I do understand the whole how to warm up an audience, what you need, you know, they're, they're coming in. They're, they're there for comedy, but right. they have to also get into that mindset. So it's definitely taught me how to, get an audience ready and what you need to do. And I'm still learning with that too. I mean, mm -hmm. it's sometimes you have a very reluctant audience who paid to be there, but somehow do not want to be there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like they want to do the, the uh, water torture. It's like, I'm going to go here. Cause I just want to see if I can not laugh the yeah. entire hour. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's also, I've been able to work on, and it's nice because playpen I can do however much up top, that I want. Uh -huh. So I can sort of, I don't have to worry about how much time I'm taking up and I can work on something new and also banter with the audience a little, yeah. which I've learned is a great way to warm them up. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely taught me a lot mm -hmm. that I didn't, that I was, didn't think needed to be taught. I just thought it was very straightforward and yeah. it's, it's definitely not, you have to sort of see where they're sitting and, you know, you can comment on that and mm -hmm. <laughs> everyone's spread out or everyone's. So, um, yeah, yeah. I'm, there's still, I'm sure there's still plenty for me to learn. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So then how does this germ of, of the idea that you're very observational, mm -hmm. you've, you've, You've watched the, the comics come through playpen and then watching them at, at other open mics mm -hmm. and shows. And then how does, how do you get this, uh, this after party concept, <laughs> uh, started? And now it's a regular recurring show. Yes. Cause I, I, if, if memory serves, mm -hmm. I'm going to try to impress you with my trivia. Ooh. If memory serves, you got this as one of the late night Velve shows mm -hmm. uh, the friday night 11 11 yes. 30 slot you know as like an experimental yes uh, mm -hmm. show and now it's a monthly show at the fallout mm -hmm. it is yeah so how did the germ of the idea come to you okay so really going back to college when i was in college my friends and i would play drinking games based off things that people would do or say. Uh -huh. So sometimes it would be within our group of friends and we all knew what the person's thing was. And sometimes it was, you know, someone who came to meet up with us and we're like, I remember one specific person and he always had a tendency to say everybody's full name. He wouldn't just say Megan. He would say Megan Tusi. Uh -huh. And so we would make a game out of him for the night that every time he said someone's full name, you take a drink. And uh -huh. so <laughs> we got drunk very quickly and it was fun. <laughs> and so 
I, when I had started comedy and I was watching other people and I was mm-hmm. picking up on certain things, I had had this idea of, oh, wouldn't it be fun to make a drinking game out of this? Yeah. Which <laughs> I, so I had that early on and I remember, I specifically remember telling Michael Priest about it and he said, that's a really good idea. Mm-hmm. And I sat on it for a while because I didn't feel ready. I didn't, I had the idea and I had the concept, but I just wasn't, I knew that I wasn't there yet to be in charge of an entire show, let alone at that point, I wasn't even funny yet. (laughs) So (laughs) I was waiting for the right moment. moment. And then uh, actually Pat had posted something on Facebook. It was probably around a year ago Mm -hmm. saying, hey, I'm looking for ideas for new, for pop-up shows on Fridays. If you have them, send me a message. So I told him about my idea and uh, we ended up meeting up to talk about it. And he specifically said, you know, he, Pat is great and he always gives women opportunities. Uh-huh. He really tries to look out for us. And he said that he read it and he was like, thank God it's good because, <laughs> you know, to say no, <laughs> to say he didn't want to have to say no. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so he was nice enough to let me do my show there two times, I want to say. Uh-huh. Uh, so, and then I had taken over playpen for Elizabeth at Fallout. And um at that point I and Pat has said, you know, I really like the idea. I can put it on every, you know, few months, but it's not you know, the only recurring show he has is low and inside. So he can make mm-hmm. more room for other people to put their ideas on, which is great. And yeah. it's such a and to be able to let people do it in such a popular, great room is right. is awesome. Yeah. So yeah, so I reached out to Fallout and I was like, hey, I had this idea. Would you guys be interested? And they're like, oh, hey, we just opened up these super late shows. And I was like, <laughs> great. <laughs> Thank you. So yeah, and my first one. It was payback for not doing those late New York. I know, months. I know. Um, and so I want to say my first show was during ACL weekend and my second show was Halloween weekend. And at that one, I actually think I had to cancel because just oh. no one, I, we had four audience members come and I was just so like oh man this is so embarrassing Uh and but since then I've been able to get a good amount of people Uh to come so um yeah the last show we had like 30 people which at fallout at 11 30 yeah that's good I'm like yeah so happy with that's all I'm like even if 15 people were there I would be happy just people (laughs) so um yeah it's starting to pick up steam but it does it has a drinking game for the audience, which I'm not allowed to advertise ah, <laughs> legally. Uh-huh. So that's another little hurdle with it. Uh-huh. But, um, yeah, it's, it's been fun. It's yeah. a lot of fun. And a lot of the comics seem really, you know, they're, it's, it's a little bit different and they're excited to do it and they're excited to see what their thing is. Yeah. And I actually, this last month I had Derek Copswell on it and I was like, just to let you know, I haven't figured out what your thing is yet. So, you know, there's generic ones. Like whenever one, somebody says, uh, or like, mm. or I, everybody does it. Yeah. So it's an easy way to just get anybody on there if I need to. And Derek said, no, I don't want one of those. <laughs> <laughs> he wants you to work at it. He was like, I want a real one. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so I did, I did end up picking out his thing and I figured it out. So, but it was nice for him to challenge me like that yeah. because I could have easily just been like, oh, his is, whenever he says I and uh, something like that. Uh And so, yeah, it it was good. But (laughs) 
Yeah. So I was, our, our anniversary episode was talking to Marcus Wilson. So yes. he's not the comic, but he knows all of the shows. He yeah. knows everybody in the scene. Mm-hmm. Everybody loves Marcus. Oh, yeah. And I was asking him, you know, so what are the, like, the, the hot new shows that you're excited about and the ones that you, you mm-hmm. really like a lot? And After Party came up. Oh. And he said, uh, and I told him, you know, unfortunately, I haven't been able to stay up this late to be able to go see, but I really want to. I see some of the the clips uh, that you you post yeah. or that others post with yeah. you know the background screen that, that yeah. the comics have their back to, yeah, um, with their their towels. And he said, what I found really interesting about that show is I will see a comic perform on that show, and then. I'll notice that when they perform, they've either scaled back on the thing yeah. or stopped the thing yeah. altogether because they like they didn't realize yeah. the thing that yeah. they did. It is very funny. Um, a lot of comics will be like, I don't do that. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like I have it on video. Yeah. You do it. Trust me. And who was it? Hunter. I had Hunter on one month and uh-huh. his was, he touches his nose a lot. Yeah. And... um he had someone there with him and he was like, I touch my nose a lot. I do that. I did. And we were like, you do it a lot. And, um, yeah. And so I didn't get to see him do his comedy central thing, but I'm Uh like, you're welcome. (laughs) I'll take, no, I'm Hunter. I'm not taking any credit for any of your, but you know, it's, it is good to know what your, what your thing is because it, uh, when I had Derek, Holly came with Derek Uh and someone in the green room was like, well, what's your thing? And I was like, I said, I say like a lot, even in regular, I'm sure now that I've pointed it out on this podcast, everybody's going to notice, but I say like a lot, and Holly goes, "You look up a lot," and I was like, "Oh, what?" <laughs> I was like, "This is about you guys. We're yeah. not." <laughs> but yeah, I try to keep them nice too. I'm not gonna yeah. make make they scratch it... their balls all the yeah. time. <laughs> Every time they bomb. So yeah, no, it's a. But it is. I I hope that it's helpful, and if not, it's yeah. at the very least fun, right. you know. And right. so. Um, and it's fun for me and it's fun for everybody because all the other comics are like peeking and trying to see what the person's thing is. Uh-huh. And they're like, Oh, they do do that. And, um, before he's going to accept to be on the show unless they're, you they're know, willing, willing to. Yeah. Yeah. And it's uh, all and fun and it's yeah. never anything crazy. But yeah, yeah, like Scott sticker before every show, uh-huh. he wants to know who's on it and what their thing is. <laughs> So Scott Sticker always uh-huh. has, he always has the end. I always let him know. <laughs> uh, yeah, and he'll be like, oh, that's a good one. And <laughs> so, yeah, it's fun. It's fun. It's good. Yeah. When, when, uh, when I started understanding the concept of it, I just, to me, it made so much sense that this was your show <laughs> and it had, I don't know if you know anything about Toastmasters. I've heard of Toastmasters. A little, I know a little bit about yeah. it. So one of the things with Toastmasters is the public speaking mm-hmm. organization. You learn by doing speeches and you get better at public speaking. But part of the, the uh, continuous feedback cycle is after each speech, speech, you have somebody who gives you an evaluation. Oof. And the goal is after that evaluation, you process the information and then you get better for the next. And to me, this concept was like, oh, this is like a really uh, soft white glove treatment of Toastmasters where yeah. if somebody isn't 
aware that they have a thing. Yeah. You know, they, they can choose mm -hmm. whether or not they ditch it, if it's a distraction or if, you know, they embrace it. But it's kind of like, oh, I'm, I'm sharing this feedback to you in a very positive, uh, fun manner. Yeah. And you do what you want with it. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, coming, I don't know that anybody could just pull that off. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I don't, you know, we could probably come up with a handful of names where we thought, them as a host would be atrocious for this concept. <laughs> <of the show. laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and I don't even necessarily do it because I think people need to change these things. You know, some of them, right. I, it's your, I don't care what you do. So yeah. that's a, you, you're right. good enough to be on the show. Yeah. So you're clearly a good comic. You don't need my personal feedback yeah. on anything. I just do it. So it's a drinking game for the audience. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it just, it's, it's something different for the audience. It's something different for the comics and it's something that they can play off of. Cause yeah. when the comics go up, they're doing their set and there's a screen behind them mm -hmm. and they have no idea why when the audience is drinking or why they're drinking uh -huh. and so it becomes this little game between yeah. them and because some people just drink when they want to drink and some people will play the game mm -hmm. and so they're like oh is it is it every time i touch my elbow and it's like what <laughs> <laughs> and it becomes it, yeah. it can be that the game in itself is yeah. also just really funny and fun for everybody right. so it, yeah yeah it adds this another layer to the show rather than they're going to come up here and they're going to tell you mm -hmm. jokes it's you know there's a lot of participation on both sides and you're both in on this game but one of you knows it one uh -huh. of you doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a fun concept i really i need to just commit to staying up super late. I know, to it's tough. To it. it is, it is tough. And even, you know, it's Friday night, so I'll get out of work and I'm like, oh. Oh yeah, full day's work. I'm like, well, I have yeah. five hours until this show starts. <laughs> what am I going to do? I'm getting laundry done. I'm doing all these things. And so. Oh, you take a nap at a certain point. You realize, okay, I got to budget a nap from seven to eight thirty and then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> Screw the sleep cycle. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just throw myself off. So, yeah. Are, are you the type of person that, you know, you've, you've got this great concept and this show that's starting to, you know, hit mm -hmm. its stride? Are you the type of person that wants to uh, exercise more of that creativity and come up with more shows? Or are you, uh, this is where I can throw all of my energies and be content? Um, so, well, I have the open, the weekly open mic right now, which, Really, I don't do it. <laughs> I show up. Uh, <laughs> I tell people if they're on or not, and I show up. So that doesn't take time. You read the emails, okay? Because you, you have to submit by an email yes, first. Yes, yes. So, so I read the emails, and I decide up. who's going up, and then I get, you know, all the last-minute requests. Yeah. And... um but, you know, it, that's one of those things where people put themselves on the list. I don't have to order people, so I'm uh -huh. not playing favoritism other than who I let on the show or not. Yeah. Um, so that doesn't take up tons of my energy. After party, it's sort of like the few, the week, two weeks leading up to it, that mm -hmm. takes up, you know, the advertising and the trying to get the upvotes on Do 512 yeah. and making sure the audience shows up. That does take a lot of my time. And I just, if I had another concept that I really liked, I wouldn't be against doing another yeah. show. It just... I'm not going to do something just to do something. So yeah. if I had something cool that was different that I thought would be fun, I would 100% do it. Mm -hmm. But it just hasn't come to me yet, I guess. Yeah. So we'll yeah. see. <laughs> uh, Again, well, always open. Never say no. <laughs> that's true. You got to try everything. Exactly. Almost everything. Yeah. <laughs> 
So what do you what uh, what do you hope for? Because uh, well, this is still early 2020 when this comes out. Uh, what do you what are you hoping for 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 2020 for yourself? For 2020, I think. Um, I'm hoping to headline a show in 2020, just some sort of show. I'm, yeah. I feel like I'm ready for it. I have enough material to do it that works that mm-hmm. I like. And the other problem is that I'll have jokes and I'm like, yeah, I don't like it anyway. <laughs> um, which is part of the writing process. It's part yeah. of growing, you know, you get better at writing and you mm-hmm. understand and then you're like, oh, this joke isn't up to par with the rest of them anymore. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I think my biggest thing is I'm hoping to headline in 2020 and then also i don't know because this is such a one-shot thing but fpia i'm hoping to do better than i've never made it out of the prelims (laughs) i i think it's the atmosphere always freaks me out i go Mm. into it knowing that it's not a fun show that it's a competition and then i don't Ah. have as much fun on stage and that's something that i've been working on the last nine months or so is getting on stage and just making sure that I'm having fun. Cause I'm not having fun. What's the point in doing this? Then right. it's, then it's just a side job. So I, that's been my real focus lately is if I'm getting on stage, I want to have fun on stage. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping to just be happy with my performance at FPIA <laughs> this year. That's all I have to say. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying I want to make it out of the first round. I'm just saying I want to be happy with it. Right. I have not been happy. Last year, I got off stage and was immediately pissed off. And oh, no. <laughs> I just, you, you know what level you can, yeah. you can work to. And when you're in such a big audience and you don't take advantage of, or not that you don't take uh-huh. advantage of it, but you, don't give them your full or you don't do what you know you're capable of. Yeah. It's, it's disappointing whether or not you move on or, or yeah. not. It's just, I knew like, ugh, that's not, that's not what I am. That's not mm-hmm. what I'm normally like on stage. I was nervous and I was so worried about the competition aspect and I didn't even think about the audience. So huh. okay, that is my goal. And that's what I've definitely been working on. So yeah. having, having fun, having is, fun. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is cool. A lot of people say, you know, when am I ever going to have a chance to perform in front of 200 plus people? Mm -hmm. And for them, that's really exciting. And whether they advance or not, you know, to them, it's like, what a cool opportunity that I'm getting and I I am going to have fun. Uh, I mean, if I can dispense some maternal advice, you've got to have fun. Yes. You you have to have fun. Yeah. And, you know, that stage fright thing can kick people in in the ass sometimes. And it's so hard to control that Mm because you, it's a, you know, when you're early on in your career, being in front of that many people, you don't get that many chances. You have no idea that stage fright is about to bite you in the ass. Yeah. Yeah. But. And I think, uh, and that's when it was after FPIA last year where I was like, I need to focus on having fun and mm-hmm. not on, and I, it's helped. I've seen where it's helped me so much. I've been able to go in front of audiences that are not laughing for anybody else. And I go up there and I can have fun and I can do great. So, yeah. uh, but I also did the, uh, year in review show uh-huh. this year at the, or I guess at the end of last year. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, 
I got to CAP and I immediately got very nervous and anxious. And I said, this makes me feel like it's FPIA because there's a lot of comics here and we're, you know, we're going to be on the main stage. And, and I had to like calm myself down and be like, just go up and have fun. And it was great. Mm -hmm. I had such a great time. So I, I'm also glad that I was able to do that just to get it out of my system and be like, all right, it's going to be. That's great awareness and realization and, and, and then the ability to say, all right, I hear you. Mr. or Mrs. Panicked Voice and <laughs> yeah. reaction there, but we can do this. Yeah. We've got experience hosting yeah. Playpen and hosting this other show and go away for, yeah. for now. Yeah. Just let me go have yeah, my Yeah, like fun. let so me just great. have my few minutes on there mm-hmm. and then you can panic again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, and it's funny because, you know, newer comics don't understand that Mm-hmm. Even after a few years of doing this, you can still have those freak out moments of, yeah. you know, this is because uh, there are other people who were there that night who were also like, I'm really nervous about this. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, it's because this is just like FBIA. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, it's going up there and just thinking solely about the audience. And yeah. so that's what I've that's what I've started to. And I realized when I had first started doing comedy, that was something that got into my head too. Cause I was always nervous about what the other comics thought of me mm-hmm. and what they thought like, Oh, she's not funny or, you know, things. And yeah. I was so nervous on like them being like, she's been working on this joke for three weeks. I've heard her say it. And well, first of all, you get to a point where you realize that comics are not listening to you. <laughs> <Yes>. anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Unless it's me. It's <laughs> paying attention. <laughs> And, um, so that eases up a little bit, but yeah, again, once you realize that your focus is not on the comics in the room, it's on the audience Mm -hmm. and making them laugh and making sure that they're having a good time. And if you aren't having a good time, they certainly will not have a good time. So it's very, they're based off of like your feedback. And that was one of those things that I had observed people and I was like, oh, these jokes are really funny, but they just seem very nervous and unsure of themselves Mm -hmm. up there. And that's why it's, it seems like it's not working out. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it, it's been good to just (laughs) watch people, which sounds so creepy, but, uh, yeah. You're doing homework. Yeah. Exactly. It's. <laughs> Is there anything that we haven't talked about that you want to um, promote, talk about? I mean, we'll have a promotion section later, <laughs> but is there anything that you wanted to, to talk about that we haven't covered? Hmm. I'm trying to think. I feel like we've covered probably what we need to. I'm, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I don't think so. Yeah. Okay. I think I think you've done a thorough job of getting everything out of me. <laughs> okay, you're good. Um, well, are you ready for your closing question? I am. Okay. Did you practice? Did you rehearse? Did of you course think about I did. This? Of course, oh, of course I did. you did. Well, because once you asked me to be on, then I was in Thailand and I was sitting by the pool and I had nothing to do, so I was you're listening kidding. to. Oh, we have a, a listener in Thailand. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I listened to to a few people's. Uh-huh. Um, so I am. Uh-huh. I have prepared. Okay. <laughs> One word to describe your future. Okay, I'm gonna say patience. Okay, I think like, most people it's like silence. Uh. <laughs> I have. I right. told you I have prepared. Um, I, it was it was a long flight back home. Okay, <laughs> I had plenty of time to think about this. Um, yeah, I'm gonna say patience. I think that. Um, 
a lot of people get started with comedy and they want things immediately. Mm-hmm. You know, they want to, they're wondering why they're not getting booked on shows right away. And, you know, they want to, they want to start their own show or they want to yeah. start their own open mic immediately, which I think it's great for people to start their own shows and open mics. Obviously we mm-hmm. need more open mics in this town, yeah. obviously. And you know, <laughs> sometimes we do though. Sometimes too many people are showing up. To so every open mic has to cap their list. So yeah. I, we actually probably could use more open mics. <laughs> Free uh, open mics. Free open mics. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, man. Um, but I've always sort of just waited until I feel – I would rather be more than ready for an opportunity mm-hmm. than to do it too soon. So after party, I had the idea for after party – almost immediately. And I sat on it for like two years until I did anything about it because I wanted to make sure that I was ready and I wanted to make sure that it was going to be good Mm -hmm. and it was, and I was going to be good and I was prepared. And that was also when I had started it, you know, I asked around and I asked people, how do you promote your show? What do you do? You know, what do I need to know? And so that was, that was really helpful for me. But yeah, Mm -hmm. patience. I think that um, I'm coming up on three years of comedy, which is baby years in comedy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, <laughs> a lot of people are like, why aren't I on tour yet? Why? Haven't, oh my God. Why haven't I? Not me, yeah. but, <laughs> but especially people who don't do comedy will be like, Oh, is this your full time uh, job? And I'm like, oh, Yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm losing money doing this. <laughs> Um, so yeah, it's funny on other people's perspectives, but I just think patience. I'm, you know, I want to do something that's creative and something, um, where I could use my humor would be great, but I'm open to any possibilities. And I'm also realized that good things come to those who wait. And I would hate to, you know, if somebody had told me a year ago that I could headline something, I would have had the the material for it, but I wouldn't have been as good as I am right now. Cause yeah. right now, like when you ask, what do I want to do in 2020? I'm confident that I could headline something and I could mm-hmm. kill it. So, uh, yeah, that's patience. I just think, you know, some people want think immediately and if right. you wait, you'll be even better. So yeah. that's my, that's my future. That's wisdom too. So when I'm like 50, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe I'll finally make a career out of, uh. of this. <laughs> Maybe sooner. I'll cross my fingers. Hopefully, but. <laughs> All right. Fantastic. Well, that is a wrap on Comedy Wham Presents Megan Toosey. Megan, tell us where we can find you on social media and tell us, uh, promote the shows. Okay. Well, so I host Playpen every Tuesday at 8 at Fallout Theater. It's BYOB. Brand new jokes always, especially for me. So if you want to see <laughs> someone bomb, I'll be there. Um, <laughs> and I also host After Party the first Friday of every month. Also at Fallout Theater at 11.30 at night. It is fun. Please come. <laughs> it is not BYOB, but if you sneak it in, I'm not going to say anything. I don't care. So, <laughs> <laughs> and then you can find me on Instagram. It's the longest name <laughs> in the history of Instagram. It's so cute. It's Toosie in the Sky with Diamonds. <laughs> <laughs> and I refuse to change it. So... You can give me all the crap you want about how long it is. Uh-huh. 
I know you wouldn't, Valerie. No, but I would not. No. The people I'm speaking to in <laughs> this empty space, <laughs> I will keep it out of spite. <laughs> Oh no, she's getting vicious. <laughs> this is this is me mad. <laughs> so, yeah, and please do not find me on Facebook unless I know you. <laughs> but too many problems with strangers oh, no. on Facebook. Oh, boy. So, you All can right. find me on Instagram. On Instagram. <laughs> We hope you've enjoyed learning about how Megan got to be the comedic mm-hmm. genius that you heard today just as much as I have. This has been Comedy Land Presents Megan Tusi. I'm Valerie, and that's been funny. Thank you, Megan. Thank you so much.